0: Hello and welcome to the wonderful world of the Muddy Puddle Teachers. My name is Sarah Seaman, I've been a teacher for a very long time, I'm also a speaker, an author, a consultant and a trainer and I own and run the Muddy Puddle Teacher and the creator of the Muddy Puddle Teacher approach, wow, look at that for a self intro this is a nice safe space where you are going to meet a collection and variety of the most amazing people that are going to help your practice. So sit down, get a cuppa and have a good old listen. Hello everybody and welcome to the Muddy Puddle Teacher Podcast. This week I have got the lovely Yarrow. Say hi Yarrow.
1: Hello everybody.
0: And Yarrow has wrote a book which I've got now which is The Map of Leaves. So Yarrow, before we start about the book, just tell us about you because you are fascinating. I just love you. You're my kind of person.
1: I'm wondering where to start now. <laughs> so I'll start at the beginning. I grew up in the New Forest area. and um, My dad actually worked in outdoor education at a little study centre down there. So my whole upbringing has, has kind of been... Based around getting outdoors and getting muddy. We used to do things like go and walk on the New Forest bogs to look at the sundews, the little plants that are carnivorous that live down there. Um, and my dad used to get us to take our shoes off and walk squidgily <laughs> into oh. the bog there. Um, and he's been doing that with hundreds of school children over the years. And um, he's retired now. But I have to say a lot of my ideas and my enthusiasm for the outdoors came from directly being outside and getting really muddy. So um, ever since then, I have loved going out, getting tangled in bushes, getting um, getting caught in nettles and climbing up trees and getting... Um, rather uh covered in things and coming home and people saying what are you doing (laughs) and I'm having adventures. Um I'm just I'm just aware that my connection says unstable so just let me know if you want me to turn off. Don't worry it's going off and on a little bit but don't worry
0: about it. Yeah
1: I'll just stop every now and again so that you can always edit (laughs) edit around me (laughs) if needed. Um so um I spent a while working in various outdoorsy jobs. Um, I, I have worked for the RSPB. I worked on a nature reserve um, down in the New Forest with them. I've also worked with rescue horses, getting Ooh. very grubby.
0: I love horses um, too. <laughs>
1: fantastic. There are well, they, so many stories when you start to think about where the horses have come from and their backgrounds. Yeah. You've got lots of ideas. Um, from them I've actually done some writing workshops with the horses in the background as well Um, and so all of my career basically um, has been trying to find different ways of getting outdoors and getting ideas for myself in my writing but also finding ways of getting children outdoors Um, I was a secondary English teacher I trained down in Dorset and I was very lucky because my English department were really enthusiastic about trying to find opportunities to take children outside where we when we could um obviously the pressures of the secondary curriculum
0: yeah that's brilliant at secondary I mean I'm still struggling getting the year sixes out but for secondary to be really looking into that is really great
1: there was only so much we could do I mean there's 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 an understanding that science and art sometimes go outside yeah. but to take English classes outside especially when it's a, a core subject yeah. is something that we don't always have room for but yeah. was something that I knew would be really beneficial so I I mean I was fortunate in that my department and the school as a whole were really enthusiastic about doing that where we could yeah but as a teacher you're also limited by what you need to cover so yeah. it's very it's very easy oh,
0: to grand yeah. so ideas and and English still now like in our uh, in primary primary age it still is yeah it's difficult but it's the holistic benefits of writing outside isn't it not just the the sort of obvious links where you know being in nature and writing about settings and poetry is such a brilliant thing to take outside I think but it's the holistic isn't it?
1: Absolutely and I need to dig out the research for this because I did I did look into it a little bit and and there was some evidence that I read that suggested that boys in particular their writing really improves when they've been doing something practical beforehand so if you can go and do something like run around or get um, get a practical task going you know like making something out of wood and then write about it yeah. the ability that you then have to connect your um your words to the actions that you're doing in real life I mean it makes complete sense when we think about
0: it it does it It does no and I I, I'm very up. I think we have things a little bit back to front really in in England especially Um, but we basically spend all morning getting the kids to do the most intense parts of the curriculum rather than actually keeping them active play-based, really engaging them, the enthusiasm. And, and for me, the, the core subject should be done in the afternoon when they're knackered.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. I've realised this about my own writing craft as well. If I sit at my desk and try and write all day, yeah, my writing is not as good. But if I go out and try and do something
0: yeah,
1: um, or I'm working in a practical job, yeah. my best writing, actually, I think my best writing came when I was doing physical manual labor yeah you know chopping down trees or kind of mucking out horses then I'd go and write and and I felt like the words were flowing more so I'm ready
0: for it you were ready for it the body needs that and especially more so when you're a child because energy is in abundance for them so you know it's important Mm -hmm. that they get moving first thing in the morning
1: and we're kind of, it's almost like you're saving up a, a bank of inspiration and, a, and a, a bank of ideas that you can then write about. And that's something I really like to do when I'm taking children outside to write is to get them to sit and not write anything down to begin yeah. with. Yeah. Or to do something or to make something and not have to put it into words or to do yeah. sketches or to do um, to do kind of anything but writing to begin yeah. with.
0: Yeah because you know right you know English isn't just about writing it's about imagination creativity it's, it's getting the ideas and I find like in uh, like when I first started teaching the children had lots of ideas I remember saying to them if you were invisible what would you do and they had loads of ideas and like 10 years later probably because of the fact that everything's sort of like technology isn't it you know ideas are given to them they're not creating their own play as much as they used to when they were when they were our age for instance that those ideas I remember saying the same thing to my class what would you do if you're invisible and they really struggled and I was like wow there's there's a lack of creativity in imagination these days.
1: It's really interesting the impact that things like imaginative and practical play have early on in later in life you know to do with our abilities to problem solve and to do with our abilities to manage our own emotions and the more we've been able to access these kinds of play the better equipped we are as adults I know this is um I learned a bit of information from a wonderful woman called Julia Roundtree. I don't know if you've come across her.
0: Not actually,
1: yeah. I'll definitely have a look into Julia Roundtree. So she um, is part of an organisation called Clay Ground Collective, okay. as in clay. Yeah. And some of her research looked into how, um, you know, we used to do a lot of clay play in schools, making Making well,
0: I arm. am a fan of the clay dough. Yeah. get rid of the play dough
1: and replace it with clay dough. <laughs> so what she, what she discovered was that there are first-year medical students who have to take remedial classes in in um, do stitches medically and um, and palpate limbs and things like that. And she attributed the fact that they didn't have those skills to the declining clay play yeah. in, in schools Dexterity, yeah which is fascinating um and I it, it's interesting that we automatically kind of make those connections with physical um kind of craft yeah. and and science but in terms of our writing and our emotions we don't always yeah. um make the connection into what we might be missing out in schools um but it's great that there's more and more of it happening. That everywhere I go, I see more gardens in in schools and more, um, more outdoor things yeah. happening, especially in primary because of the kind of requirement. But it's I think in secondary school it is it is getting off the ground a bit too.
0: Yeah, but they're wanting it. The teachers are wanting it. We've had quite. We've had quite a lot of um, secondary teachers coming forward to want to work for us. Too. So we provide resources and training for outdoor play-based curriculum. Um, and they've been coming forward for it. We're just not ready yet. We're just not ready. So as a company, we will be, we'll be on their backs. it's it's thinking creatively isn't it trying to get these lessons outside and I think because I'm dyslexic it doesn't become a it's not a problem for me to think creatively and I find that with a lot of my dyslexic colleagues that it's just our part of the brain we can access that so easily Uh, but yeah it's the time as well for the teachers isn't it actually sitting down and trying to rethink the way we've always done things and put it in a different but you absolutely touched upon it it's the fact that when we were younger we would do what we played outside all of the time it was that's how we accessed our imaginative creative play and we were using lots of fine and gross motor skills while we we're doing it where now the children's play is very well they're not going out and playing we know that when you know parents are too scared and it's back garden play or it's technology play and they're losing lots of those core skills and it's interesting, you touched upon the, um, my my mother-in-law sent me an article saying that the BBC had sent an article out saying that they couldn't, this one hospital couldn't employ surgeons because they would not got the right dexterity, okay. they've not got good enough dexterity, so it's interesting that you mentioned that as well, because my mother-in-law only sent me that a couple of weeks ago.
1: Oh, interesting. Mm.
0: So yeah, let's talk, anyway, I could talk to you forever about this, but let's talk about your book. So tell me more about,
1: the Map of Leaves. So The Map of Leaves is a story about a girl called Orla who lives on her own in a little um, wooden shed by a river in a rather overgrown garden and she's the kind of person who doesn't really get along with other people. She'd much rather be left alone with her garden and her plants that keep her company. Um, Basically, Aula can talk to plants, and that's one of the reasons that she kind of prefers their company. They whisper secrets to her and tell her how to make food and medicine, and they're her friends. They're kind of her only friends. Until one day, she notices, as she's down at the bottom of the garden, that there's something wrong with some of her plants. And that they're being affected by a mysterious sickness. And she has to go on an adventure to find out what's the matter with them. And she does have to start making some friends along the way. Okay. The origins of the story really came about by me spending a lot of time outside around, surrounded by plants. And I kind of wondered, what would it be like if you got to know those plants so well that you could know exactly what they were saying and what they were whispering to you and i especially was interested in what those everyday plants that we sometimes kind of ignore or yeah, even do. hit um, away yeah. <laughs> you know the nettle the nettles and the brambles and the thistles the ones that often just get mown down i was really interested in what they had to say about the world <laughs> They
0: get a lot of negative press, don't
1: they? they do. and a lot of them. I was just really fascinated when you start looking into the medicinal uses yeah. of these plants, traditionally and in modern times, the value that they have, and and the idea that perhaps there are plants that we don't even know yet what yeah. secrets they might hold, um, that that we could start discovering things about them. But I also wanted it to be an adventure. I love the idea that children will read a book and they'll go and want to pretend to be those characters playing outside. I did that so much when I was a kid. When we went out to play, we were always characters from books. We were swallows and amazons. We were were wolves and tigers. I love the idea that stories now might Get children inspired to have their own adventures.
0: Absolutely and you know what I love about this, I mean what I'm really passionate about um, in the primary school is to ditch the topics, and have a book that you focus your topic around. And this book would be perfect for linking in science, for linking in emotional support as well. And the fact that we know holistically the outside makes us all feel better. There's so many different avenues they could go down with this book and so many different links. And obviously the PSED that's in it, the physical development as well. There's lots of PE in here as well. You know, like you said, I'm a big believer of, with my own children, we go on walks and we make up our own stories as we go, because my kids, unfortunately, don't love walking. (laughs) They don't love long walks. And I'm sort of trying to get them into it. And the way I've got them into it from young ages is to go on stories and we get transported here and there. And this is definitely something that they could go out there and role play on a walk as well, couldn't they?
1: And the idea that you're following a river and you're trying to figure out what's at the at the top of the river, um, where the where the secret places are in a story. I love it when a book has a map and I love drawing my own maps and that's something that's always really fun to do. I was also really keen in the story to have um, things that the kids were making. I love it when, when characters are making things by hand because then you think, I'm going to have a go at making that or I'm going to make my campfire, I'm going to make my... Um, basket out of sticks um, or medicine um, there's a, a boy in the story called Idris and he's really good at sewing and he's great at repairing things and I I wanted to show characters doing all kinds of things like that that we might not be doing as much as kids now it wasn't a deliberate move but it it just felt right for those characters it
0: felt right yeah and it it is something that you know consumption is a massive thing with our children now that there's lots of plastic out there and you know something the muddy puddle teachers are really passionate about is just using what's out there and make things from it and there's nothing more creative than that absolutely and looking
1: looking at the different uses of, of plants and what we've made from natural resources and and maybe having conversations about the balance between what we're using beneficially and what we're using that's maybe overdoing it are we taking too many natural resources are great conversations to have in the classroom to get that side of things started and and planting things like willow that we can then make into you know a little willow basket or something like that
0: wouldn't it be wonderful if schools concentrated more on providing gardens rather than these sort of cement play spaces and artificial grass where we i know that australia are moving towards this and so they're moving toward more natural spaces in the playground providing streams and rivers and things like that for the children to really engage with i think i've lost your arrow
1: brilliant
0: sorry I've lost you a bit
1: there moment I can hear you now
0: Yep, got you back
1: yeah um and the the idea that yeah you can go and build a, a dam in the stream or you can um spend your play time coming up with your own projects and your own adventures and allowing allowing unconstructed play time if that's what they call it free play
0: Uh, just not having adults around isn't it and I suppose because parents fear so much about children just playing out like we used to the schools are going to have to start providing it we've got to start providing these nurturing experiences like your childhood you know and I feel like a lot of your childhood is in this book and I think that's why it feels so lovely
1: I was lucky I think I might have been the last one of the last sort of generations to be allowed to play outside and come back at tea time and my mum's quite a warrior if she if she had children now I think it would be very different um because we we were lucky we had we lived on an estate but there was a park attached to the estate with a stream so we would go in the stream I'd take my shoes off I'd I definitely cut myself once or twice on bits of glass that were pinched away. Um I used to take my bike across it to get to school because I was too lazy to cycle around. And there were just those opportunities to find your own way.
0: There is research that, to suggest that people that do more barefoot work as a child um are are more intelligent. So uh, there is some research fascinating. Yeah, we do a bit of barefoot muddy puddles. It's always a thing though it's risk averse isn't it what we're what we're like but yeah it's uh, it's it's important for children to have that sensory experience with their feet
1: I'd be interested to look at um yeah schools in New Zealand and Australia I think I've heard some family who who lived over there saying that they were there for all the time yeah. and the impact on well-being and all that kind of thing would be fascinating to find out yeah. um but yeah there was a lot in in the story that Kind of came about from those childhood experiences but also the idea that children do see more than adults sometimes you know on you're on a lower level you might be barefoot you might have your hands in in the dirt and you spot things that grown-ups don't see and I love the idea that Ola noticed things about the plants that the grown-ups didn't and I love the idea that her her noticing those things actually helped save the day in the end so the children have something that the adults don't, and they have the, the ability to to solve these problems that the adults might even be causing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I like <laughs> it. Lots of, you know, I think this is a fabulous book for year five, year six. I think this would go down so many avenues, and uh, they're not so child led in key stage two, but it would be amazing if they could explore all these environmental issues that are coming into their geography. You know, river studies are in year five, year six. So this, you know, if they could just have their topic on on just this book, how much, mm-hmm. how much amazing, amazing without, experiences. They without were. giving
1: too much away, there's also a really good opportunity for making ink and having a, a look at what natural materials yeah. make make ink and doing some writing that way in in kind of a playful writing way. I it's like fascinating it. when you start looking into.
0: Absolutely. Who, who, and
1: how that got made?
0: Absolutely, Ooh, absolutely, fabulous. Well, thank you for that. So, if people want to follow you, Yarrow, where are you in the world? And do you have a books out?
1: I am on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. as Yarrow Townsend. Yarrow is actually my real name. My dad is very botanically minded, <laughs> um, so that is very convenient. Um, and I will have another book out next year without giving too much away it's also very nature themed but set in a in a slightly different part of the country slightly different types of nature i'm keeping it i'm keeping it secretive (laughs) to begin with but
0: brilliant
1: next year brilliant there may be birds involved
0: Um, and Um, where can they buy this from where can they get it from? It's on Amazon, but we try and suggest other
1: bookshops, don't we? Yes, um, Waterstones, of course. But oh, I am very local to the south of England, and two of my favourite bookshops. One is the Rocket Ship Bookshop in Salisbury, which is very close to the New Forest, where I grew up, and also October Books in Southampton, which is a fantastic independent bookshop, and they are very supportive, especially of the environmental causes so Happy. we love independent bookshops
0: and before you go just tell everybody where you are right now because i can see and obviously this is a podcast so tell them where you are oh yeah oh
1: i've lost you again yarrow i completely
0: oh, you've just i'm
1: on so hazel trees I don't know if you got that. I've
0: got you back now, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I'll, I can just start again that. But I'm on a canal boat, on the canal, and outside my window I can see some water. I can see some yellow flag irises, which are just bursting into life. They're some beautiful yellow flowers. And I'm underneath some hazel trees, so I'm out in nature.
0: You are living the dream. <laughs> it's oh rad, <laughs>
1: It's a little bit, it's obviously very cozy and small inside, but we get to be able to go straight out into nature, which is fantastic. And mud sometimes.
0: Absolutely. Get yourself in mud. And I just think, like, it just makes the book even more fabulous the fact that you're on a canal boat in nature. It's like you are everything that encompasses this book. So thank you ever so much, Sharon, for talking to me. And everybody, go get the book. Please do. Have it in your bookshelves. I'm very passionate about schools having better literature in their bookshelves and really, really focusing on really good texts and making sure that the children's access to to books is you know diverse and it's got you know just good books in there. I'm trying to get rid of the Biff and Chip. I don't know whether you remember the Biff and Chip. Book. I
1: remember Biff and Chip.
0: <laughs> you know, like <let's> <laughs> I mean, no, that's not what reading's about. It's not Biff and Chip land. Let's get some. Amazing Texan like yours. Um, so thank you, Yarrow, and have a great day on your canal boat. Thank you very much. Bye what a great podcast episode right so if you are now ready to come and join us um we have online training in a gold subscription that gives you access to all of our training and resources you can start now you can pay monthly or yearly Uh, a silver subscription gives you resources only so if you're not really interested in the training side of things you just want the resources because they make your life easier as well as a little bit of cpd on the way then join up with a silver account and again pay monthly or pay yearly we do also do whole school subscriptions um, and we do whole school training as well so head to the website www.themuddybuddleteacher.co.uk and we also now do a zoom staff training session so if you just wanted a little bit of a cpd top up in outdoor learning we can come and do that via a zoom so again head to the website and thank you for joining us today